Hello all, we are recording inside the Cohab Podcast Studio space under the Texas Street Bridge by the Red River in downtown Shreveport, Louisiana, and this is the 3180 Podcast. I am your host, Josh Clayton. Thomas Young is in the studio with me handling our sound, and we are trying to determine through conversations with folks in this area what's going on in the 318. What is Shreveport's identity? We are poised to make this town the town that we want it to be. It's time for Shreveport to make a 180. So every Thursday, we're here at Cohab, under the bridge, talking to different folks around town who are doing just that. Welcome to the 3180 Podcast. Episode 3 of the 3180 Podcast. Today's guest is Katie Larson. Katie is the proprietor of the Agora Borealis on the corner of Marshall and Lake Street downtown. We're going to talk about art. We're going to talk about local goods, handmade goods, and the importance of buying and staying local. She's an entrepreneur, she's a business owner, and she's going to talk all about doing business and attracting more business and more artistic value to downtown Shreveport. Welcome, Katie Larson. Hello there. I'm excited to be here and talk about downtown Shreveport. It's much needed. We can talk about all kinds of Shreveport. We can talk mm. about North Shreveport, South Shreveport. We Let's stick to downtown. I think that's my forte. We're just going to, we only have an hour. Okay, great. You've got other places to be. Yes. You've got a noon. I got a noon appointment. And it's already 11.06. You're six minutes in. I know. Sorry. Um, tell us about what you're doing right now. What is the Agora Borealis? Uh, so the Agora Borealis is a marketplace. Half of it's a marketplace, half of it's an event space. The marketplace is focused upon sustainability of the product. So all of the raw materials have to be sourced locally, fair trade, recycled, upcycled, um, can't be made in China. And it is keeping our money local and keeping the money in our neighbor's pockets. So um, all the artists are creating things like everything from soap to furniture. And uh, we are facilitating a space for that to be sold. We're the only marketplace in like local marketplace in all of Shreveport and um, that's really sad to me because there's so many other cities that have multiple places where you can buy local goods Um, there are a peppering of other places that have some local goods but we're like the only that's all local goods and then of course the event side that is to pair off to make sure we have a space for people to gather to to create to um, have a space to um, collaborate in How long have you guys been open? So on the 17th of this month, it'll be five years. Wow. That's impressive. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so tell me, um, I've been in the store a couple of times, Mm -hmm. uh, once when you first opened and once more recently. So you've got got art in 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 the World Borealis. Fine art, yes. And we also have satellite galleries. So we show um, 2D and 3D work in other spaces around town as well, and we facilitate through our artists. And we've got over 300 artists now. That wow. we work with. Do you still have any of those tables, the wooden tables? Oh, yes. Ronnie Lawson has some amazing work in our space. Uh, fine furniture at a ridiculously uh, affordable price. So Absolutely. Um, I saw Josh talented. Chambers work in there. Yes. Josh Chambers, he was also a professor uh, of mine. J- uh, Nicholas Bustamani. Uh, we've got Rachel Stewart Haas. Um, we have uh, several artists that are very well known in this area that are killing it, you know, Karen LeBeau, uh, Ellen Soffer, Tony Reens. Cool. Great work. Well, um, 
shameless plug, how, when do you, are you open seven days a week, five days a week? So we're open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to six. Okay. And then of course we do events. So in our event side, we can be open a range of other hours and we really do a lot in the event space as well, like meetings, uh, weddings, short films, uh, everything and every, anything that you can imagine. We can facilitate there, which is good for the creatives. Cool. What made you want to open uh, your store? Well, since I was very little, I wanted to have a place where artists could come and show their skills and do workshops and create. And that was, in my mind, out in like the woods or out in um, a country space. But, you know, nobody wants to go out in the woods and drink the Kool-Aid. So you had to bring it in, bring it to the downtown area where a city, when it shrinks and expands, the core stays the same. And that's the downtown area. So we invested in the downtown area more than five years ago and started the process um, to give people a really comfortable place to meet um, before you know having these workshops in a more uh, like a location that's less uh, visible I got you well it's, it's a really cool spot it's a uh, um, you bought the spot yes it's a 1927s bu- uh, building. Joseph A. Reddig is the one who built the building, and it was a service uh, station for automobiles. And then, of course, Ship Radio moved in, and then they had a, a gas pump. And as things changed throughout time, it became a bar later on and a, a film space. Um, and then we ver- purchased it in 2013, um, did some minor and major changes to the building to create um, a workable space. And it is, has a beautiful facade. Uh, it's in where it used to have uh, Silver Lake. Yeah. was originally there at the bottom of that hill. Yeah. And now it's up the street mm-hmm. on the corner of Market. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. That now also Silver Lake was actually a lake. Oh, lake. the lake. Okay, and no, oh, when yeah, the okay, Great Raft okay. came through, um, it stopped the water from going into that lake, and it dried up, and it became Silver Lake Bottom. And then in 1905, the first woman to purchase it um, was actually African-American. And then it changed hands several times until Joseph A. Reddick, who is actually married to Mary uh, Mary Bird, C.E. Bird's daughter. And so there was, like, a, you know, a very staple name to that space and became what it is. And he built the structure in 27? In 27. And our wow. neighbors are in a 1932 building. Who's that? Uh, Jeff so, and... Yes, Jeff okay. Spikes and Jason Cram. Yeah, you guys have done a lot on Lake Street. Yeah. Um, talk about the uh, the annual event you guys yeah, have. Yeah, the festival. Yeah. So Cirque du Lake happens every September. It started in the summer, but it's just too hot to celebrate in the Louisiana summer. Yeah. So we moved it to September. It's always the third Friday of the month of okay. September. And what we do is we close down Lake Street from Marshall to Market, and we fill the street with um, vendors, food, entertainment. It's free to the public. We have live bands that come and play. And it's just four hours of saying thank you to our customers, to the public, to anybody who wants to join us in celebration. It's a really great time. Well, awesome. Awesome. How have you liked doing business in downtown Shreveport for the last five years? I've been really supported, and there's a lot of creativity, and there's a lot of turnover. There are people who really are investing in downtown, um, but we really need more industry, I feel, to supplement all of the arts and the creativeness that is happening. Okay. And But other than, I mean, like, I just absolutely love the DDA. It's been really strong in helping us. Um, Shaq is trying really hard to, you know, implement some great ideas. 
then the business owners, I mean, there's so many people downtown, the Marlene U Museum, Rhino Coffee, Fatty Arbuckles, you know, Noble Savage, Missing Link. Those business owners have invested in the area and have brought light upon what was kind of becoming um, a dark space downtown. So. Yeah. Well, what else does downtown need right now? We, we have we have the Agora Borealis. We've mm-hmm. got a few bars, one that doesn't open until 5 o'clock at night. We've got a handful of restaurants. Um, we see some residential construction going up mm-hmm. we, or some remodels uh, going up. What 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 does your business need, like particularly from your perspective as a business owner downtown, what does your business need to see more of in Treeport broader area and, and in the downtown core to to do better business and to sell more of your work? So a lot of people have moved away from downtown into these suburbs, and what they have there are grocery stores, you know, gas stations. Yeah. Um, so I feel as if we had a more livable space downtown, if you could actually go to a grocery store and not some dollar store that has three different fruits, apple, banana, orange, like yeah. people could actually thrive downtown if they had all of their amenities right there. Um, it needs to be more walkable. It needs to be um, more bikeable. Has to be a safe space, um, which means we need more people downtown. It would be safer if there was more people downtown. So I love that they're bringing in these housing facilities, but we need more industry. We need more off. Like we need people who are bringing their offices to the downtown area and actually having, you know, meetings and and luncheons and. We need more of that. We need more people downtown. And so businesses like daycares and um, automotive shops and everything that would be in the suburbs needs to move back to downtown and be facilitated. Okay. Do you live in downtown? I don't. I actually live in um, seven minutes south of downtown, which is like the Highland, South Highland area. What would convince you to move downtown? Well, I have a six-year-old, okay. so there would have to be some type of green space okay. uh, for sure. Um, I have a large dog, so mm-hmm. it would have to be walkable, um, and I'd have to feel safe to do mm-hmm. so. Um, there's some really great living spaces, but the other thing is, too, I feel a lot of the owners of these buildings that have been holding on to their properties yeah. for so long, and they want the return on their investment, like yeah. they might have spent a, a certain amount years ago and want that back they are not putting their money into keeping up their buildings they're not putting their money into um, creating those spaces that are needed downtown if they would actually do one of two things invest in their own properties or allow someone else to invest in their properties and create those spaces that like we have done on lake street those yeah. buildings were starting to be dilapidated they, they had things that needed to be taken care of and then also needed to be refurbished brought into you know the now um if, if people would do that, I think that that could create a safe environment for people to start coming back downtown, maybe having a second home downtown if they have that type of, of income, or just living downtown in general where there's a lot to, to be had. What building downtown that's vacant right now do you like? Oh, there's so many. Name one. Okay, my favorite right now is the abandoned bus station with Great. the canopies. The Sportran. Yeah, the Sportran. What are we going to do with the Sportran? Mm, uh, let's say if I had my way, it would be uh, another large market. Like it would, 
It would be the weekly space to go get your groceries. That would be what you would have during Saturdays at the farmer's market. Okay. That would be a, a continual all week long where you could find local food and local goods. Okay. Um, it would be a pop-up space for um, artists to have small um, incubator type business mm-hmm. spaces where they could create and people could come and watch them create because yeah. it would not only be entertaining but it would be a space that could easily be turned over in in mm-hmm. an amount of time that um, so it also have events in there I would you say. mean the, the interior air conditioned space is pretty much all glass so that would be that yeah, would be the artist studio type no, space okay those would be in my mind, the inside space would be the the, the grocery store okay, and right. the local goods. And that's also where artists could put their items into. And not artists in the sense of like 2D paintings and 3D sculptures and sure, stuff like sure. that. More of the everyday needs like, um, you know, dishes like ceramic pottery and um, uh, goods like coffee and and food items and things that are everyday uses and everybody needs would be inside this inside that building and then maybe a cafe um and then outside would be these little pods that would be the incubator spaces so you have like a a little mini main street yeah like each on the weekly and people would get used to it being there and would be able to come down you know, from their offices immediately and grab some groceries on their way home or they would be able to come and enjoy the cafe setting and that canopy is beautiful and um, it would create a really well, um, like, outside space where, where people could, like, enjoy the outdoors even in and Louisiana. You really wouldn't have to do much to it to get it to that point. No. What, I actually uh, have some drawings in the, in the do works. You know? I do. Who owns it now? Do you know? Um, there's a a company that's out of Monroe that is actually in an office space to the west of it that is in um, is in control Lane. of it now. The Lane, the, the guys that own the Lane Building and the Johnson and I the Slattery. So. I feel so. Same group. And I, I I'm really uh, at a loss for their name right now, but yes, they they own the space. Hake? Is it Hake? H a i k. I'm not sure. Okay. We'll, well go back to that. Okay, so that I don't know if it has a for sale sign or for lease sign right now, but it's, it's smack. I mean, like. So would you move the farmer's market out of the... Um, no. You'd leave it where it is. I think the farmer's market needs to be celebrated. That's a, a beautiful event. It's a, it's a it's something that's very very much needed. I don't want to... T- that's the other thing. I'm really tired of people coming and trying to do the exact same thing that somebody else is doing. I don't want to do that. I want to um, elevate what somebody else is doing by including a second a secondary location. Like, so I'd never, I wouldn't be in, in competition with them during the weekend. It would be about celebrating them where they are at the farmer's market. And then when they're done with the farmer's market, they come and drop off their goods for the week. Like okay. here's the rest of my beets and here's the rest of my potatoes and my flowers and my, my oatmeal and my, my meat and like whatever that they yeah. are already selling. It's like, yeah. here's what's left over. It's available all week. Okay. Is it a commission basis on the inside of there, or, do, or does the the owner of the property acquire it for a reduced rate at the end of the farmer's market and then put it in there, and then he gets the profit, she gets the profit? I feel it would be something that would be structured through whoever is wanting to manage that space. Yeah. Um, I, I have a commission base at, at my space. Um, that way I'm responsible for doing the work to move it. Right. Um, but at the same time, who knows? It, it might be something that they buy um, at a at a discount or a wholesale price. 
Okay. All right. It, it, uh, all the work in Aurora Borealis is on some sort of commission? Commission-based, yes. Okay. Because, you know, that really gives an equal footing, I feel, for the artist and the owner is that if I want to move these things and if I want to get paid for these items, I need to do the work to sell them. But at the same time, the artist is still responsible for bringing fresh work, things that want uh, that are wanted through the, the consumer. Mm-hmm. So if they bring me something that's just never moving, it's not selling, then I can say to them, hey, take this back, bring something like this, here's the feedback on this yeah. item. And then we are equal in wanting to get it sold. Okay. And you don't feel guilty about just taking a big profit on their on, on their work. Because you, and because I don't you, actually. Um, a lot of places in other cities, it's 50-50, and we're yeah. more of the 60-70, depending on the needs of the, the seller. I'm really flexible. I work with every artist, and we look at their margins, and I help price their goods um, so that they're approachable, but yet at the same time, they're getting what they need out of the product. Okay. Um, did you grow up here in Treeport? No, I didn't. Where are you from? I'm from McKinney, Texas. It's north of Dallas. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in a in an atmosphere where if you weren't driven and you weren't doing the work and you weren't doing it properly and it wasn't of high quality, mm-hmm. you would just get kicked to the curb and you would it wouldn't function. So I have a mentality pretty similar. Like if you do the work and you do it right the first time, then there there's going to be success. Mm-hmm. But um, I find that when I moved to Louisiana, they have a very laid back mentality about a lot of things, including it's work little, sometimes. A little different than Texas. It is. It little, is different. Maybe a whole lot different. <laughs> what? Um, okay. So did you go? You, when did you? What brought you to Louisiana? So I graduated in '02. Went to Louisiana Tech um, for seven years. Okay, I so always, Tech brought you to yeah. the state of Louisiana. Okay, yes. All right. And I always joke. I'm like seven years in school. I should be a doctor. Yeah. And I'm not. Um, <clears throat> I studied interior design, architecture, cultural resources, and preservation, 2D and 3D art. And then I also was in band, so I played music. And um, there's a lot of camaraderie there and community. I was in a sorority with the band and. So um, I was there for a long time, but I really enjoyed my time there. And then met my husband, moved to Shreveport, um, started a home, and decided that over a long period of time of like self meditation and you know trying to find myself, I really wanted to open my own space that I was proud of, that I had ownership of, that could help the community, especially in the arts, because that's my background. And my sister's an artist, my mom's an artist, so I might love it. Wanted to go back. Have you been to you? Do you have a space and you have a space in Ruston where you work? I mean, you do you do anything there now? No, I have artists there, and I go and pick up art from there. I visit their studios. I do a lot of cross promotion. Um, when it comes to events and planning, I'm really strong in that, and so I help a lot of other cities and a lot of other artists create their own niche and create their own festivals and markets and pop-ups and businesses, but I really want to give people the tools to succeed on their own. I don't want to own all of the Yeah, yeah. I I met a lady who was there, like, on the street, Mm -hmm. and she was, you know, she's like, oh, you're not from around here, Mm -hmm. which I literally just walked on the street. Where are you from? Um, But then she was saying, oh, I have, you know, I, I put my some art at the Agora yeah so I was wondering if I, I know you said you had like 
some other satellite. I do. So I do have satellites, but they're all here in Shreveport so okay. that I can manage them. The Corner Lounge, uh, our Lake Street Gallery that's attached to our strip on Lake on Lake Street. Um, then Fairfield Studios, uh, Gibbs Loan Bank and Trust on Line Avenue. Um, those are just some of the, the ones off the top of my head that we facilitate. And then I do have some businesses that ask me to come in and hang art for them and help facilitate. But I don't always get involved commission-wise either because, again, I want to help people build their own. Yeah, I knew there there were some guys that I used to work with in Austin, and they, they were a collective, and they did a lot of a lot of work for, like, an office building would commission them to come in and, you know, design mm-hmm. something for their lobby mm-hmm. or, or something. And I don't know of anybody who, we don't have a lot of super artistic lobbies or I know. buildings they buy for that pure, matter. They, they go to, like, Pier 1 Imports, and they're yeah. like, oh, we'll get this painting that everyone else owns right. and put it on our wall. Yep. But um, we do com- we do commissioned work. We do facilitate artists being paired off with, um, different businesses that is the right feel and essence of the space. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't realize that um, there were so many local businesses that were willing to take that step. You know, um, it's it's a risk in, for some of them because they, they've they never had it before, but once you get comfortable with it, I feel like they they like to have it and have the, they like to have the collaboration. They like the artists. They, you know, they like the vibe. They like the, uh, the way the customers react when they come into their space and it feels, you know, local, it feels real, not just plastic. Yeah. You mentioned a bank. I mean, a lot of the banks are competing against these, you know, ginormous national banks and all the local guys are building more branches and mm-hmm. trying to become more local banks. So I, I see that's a really good fit for designing the lobby of one of the one of these new spaces that crops up. Oh, yeah. To differentiate themselves from, from other groups. And the, uh, the Gibson Bank and Trust, they have... Um, probably around 10 pieces of art and it's in their conference room it's in their vault it's in the offices it's in the lobby that's really you can cool. see a piece when you go through their um, drive through from the window so it, it gives exposure to the artists um, that they might not have had before in a professional setting what um what, why did you name it the Agora Borealis? So Agora means marketplace and mm-hmm. Borealis means northern so we're the northern marketplace for north um, West Louisiana, and we are north of I-20, um, so it facilitated all of the needs, um, and it's really pretty. I mean, who doesn't it's love the Aurora Borealis? So um, it, it was fitting. My sister and my father actually came up with the name. Oh, you didn't have to give them credit for that. Oh, I do. She would kill me. <laughs> she was like, you know I came up with that. Well, that's a cool name. It's, I, I never knew that that was the, uh, the origin of the name. Mm-hmm. All right, so what... I mean, you mentioned industry earlier, and mm-hmm. I mean, we've had this discussion with the other, the previous guests as well. I mean, do you have any ideas for the city of Shreveport and how to create a more or a growing middle class or a more stable middle class so we don't, I mean, it seems like we're growing into even further income disparity in the town mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of disregarding the middle, mm-hmm. uh, which is metaphorically speaking kind of what's it's happened to the town yeah it's happened to the town as well mm-hmm. it's being stretched to the outside right so do you have any do you have any ideas on how to fix that so um looking at louisiana as a whole we give a lot of tax breaks to large companies which doesn't do us any favors um i feel like 
if we gave smaller tax breaks to companies that would want to move in, um, they still would do it because it would be more than other places. We have large um, amounts of space that can be um, facilitated into larger factories. And really, to be honest, I don't know what those industries would be. But in the past, it's been cars, it's been oil, it's been, you know, um, industrial technology. And so I feel that those are things that we can reach back to because we already have ties to them. Um, But if I had the answers, I would probably be a lot richer. So (laughs) can't give it all away here, no. Um, There just needs to be real jobs. Uh, But, you know, and that's actually why I started my store is to tell people and get them to understand that if we continue to buy things from other countries, in particular some places like China, where they are enslaving their people through creating um, goods and and services for us, if we keep putting those things off into other countries, we're not going to have the skills to do them ourselves anymore. People think they're too valuable to make things, and that's just not the truth. We need to have those things back. Um, People are becoming really kind of dumbed down not even understanding how things function or work or how they're made and that needs to come back we need to have those middle class jobs for people to grasp the concept of how things are made how things function how money is cycled into our own environment and into our into our uh, culture and if we don't have money to spend on art and goods, then none of, like, my business is not going to succeed either. So we need those types of jobs. We need those constant jobs that are bringing in income. Okay. Good call. Now, what, why does an artist want to move to Shreveport? Or should why an artist move to Shreveport? Why, why move here? Why not move to Austin or New Orleans okay. or Charleston or Miami or some the, or the amazing new, like the Marfa Texases of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why move to Shreveport, Louisiana? Oh, there's some really great reasons. I want to know. Okay, for one, in 2014, uh, Wallet Hub and Forbes magazine said that Shreveport was in the top 10 cities in the nation to start a business. Um, we have a low um, cost of living here, which is a great it's great for the creative because they need more money on the forefront to create their business and so if you come here you're able to facilitate um, your business through low rent low cost of material low cost of service um, and that can help facilitate the growth of your business in the forefront because that's the hardest part is those first couple of years is trying to have money to spend on your your endeavors and so if you have a low cost of living and you have a low cost of your office space and a low cost of your materials and and the services then you have more money to spend on the creative part of your job or your your product so that's one thing um and i think that that facilitates uh, a lot of small business do you think the, the Shreveport town as a whole supports the artistic community of the town? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Um, I have found a core group of people that support it, um, and they're the same people that are, you know, starting businesses, running and functioning all of the really great uh, jobs in this area. But for a whole, I'm not really sure that they understand or 
the worth of it, of what the artists are doing in this area. Um, but the other great thing is that when you live anywhere these days, you can be accessible to the rest of the world. Right. So living here is going might not be like you your market might not be here to sell your goods but your market to build and make your goods is here because you can sell anywhere internationally so low cost living here and then sell it somewhere else um for now uh is is a possibility um not to say that we don't want to be a destination of course we want to be a destination and we want people here to support the the arts and um but we might not be there yet but everything is in flux always, and that's what we're hoping to do is to grow um, as one of those cities that we're like, oh yeah, Shreveport's pretty cool. Like, but we could go there. It doesn't cost much. Got great art. Got great food. Great entertainment. Why wouldn't we go there? So um, we just have to be driven and we have to be um, excited and passionate about what we're doing. What about like some artist in residency programs that the city could get behind or the city could make available or maybe, um, you know, where you are on Marshall, if you if you look just south of there, there's a there's a handful of buildings mm-hmm. for sale across from the brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some land available. I mean, do you think any of that would gain traction? Do you think we could get folks from around the country to want to move to Shreveport and make art on a on a one-year cycling basis? I believe so. Um, There's lots of people that do art and residency. Um, We have an amazing, um, we have a, we have a, uh, a fellow that just moved here. He is nationally known, did TED Talks, and he's gonna be embarrassed. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. Um, But he is a professor now at uh, Centenary. Mm -hmm. And again, he, that's exactly why he moved here. He was like, this place, is low cost, um, would, is easy to maneuver, is easy to um, get in and start your business and like get get going, and he can influence easily here. Like you can be an influencer here. Uh, a lot of towns, like if you're going to Austin or San Francisco or n- uh, New Orleans, New York, any of those big cities, they're already a big city. They already yeah. have a, a culture, they already have a presence, and you're not going to just jump in and make a change or a difference there. Yeah. Um, that's it's unlikely but here you can do that you can find your niche you can become the strong point for that and move forward quickly because within five years like five years ago nobody knew my name yeah but now that you put in I've put in the work and I've put in the time and the energy and now I have a little bit of movability throughout our city to help others and and if you are willing to collaborate and if you're willing to do the work then people will see that and you can make your way through the city. I think too. There's a lot of people. The people you're talking about, they're they're not afraid of. Oh, this is an old, dilapidated building. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what's it cost? It's X. Are you kidding me? The whole that's X amount of feet. I can go in there. I can put up walls. I can mm-hmm. live there. I can work out of mm-hmm. there, and that's the total cost for the whole thing. Exactly. I'm not scared. I'm not hiring an architect. I'm not, you know. I'm literally go. I'm. I'm gonna do it myself. I'm driving a trailer inside. I'm yeah. gonna live in it while I build it out. Yes. That's it's you can doable. do that here, and nobody. It's you have freeway going both ways. You mm-hmm. have the port. You mm-hmm. have rail. You have. You do. Barksdale. You have, you have airport. All. You have everything that you could need here, except for the marketing to tell people that it's here. Mm-hmm. Is what it it's seems like. There's a. 
disparity. A disconnect. A disconnect. That's a better word. Between those two things, like we, Josh and I have looked at a, a lot of property recently, mm-hmm. a, a lot of downtown property, and it's there's just amazing stuff. If yes. it, I, I talk to people in New Orleans, they're like, this is a $3 million building For sure. in the shape it's in in New Orleans. Orleans. Or in Austin. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and here it's, well, somebody started to work on it and then now they're gone. And that's what I was talking about earlier. It's so, like the drive is not there sometimes. And if we had people that actually followed through with their vision, and I think that's the other thing too, is sometimes this area has lacked vision. Um, they see something and they're like, oh, that's a, that's a, I think it's because it's been that way for so long. They can't see past what it has been for so long. And then if you have somebody like myself who comes in from another city, you can see the beauty and you can see what it could be. Um, and you take that on like, oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Cause we still have the energy to, to go forth and conquer. I think a lot of people here have looked at it for so long that it, they, it's, it's become normal and they don't, they don't see the potential anymore. It's also, I, I noticed this recently just because I've, I've been going, I've, I've been working on a project and I've had to go to different places. I've mm-hmm. gone, and I can go to the place in Bossier, I can go to the place in Shreveport, I can go, like, it takes about the same amount of time to get either place, and used to, uh, growing minutes. up here, I was like, oh, I never go to Bossier for anything, you know, maybe like I'm over there trying to buy beer when I'm 15. Like, that's the reason I was going there. And now, you know, I've been gone for a long time. But I uh-huh. come back and it's like, oh, wow, that's... There's it's something like a, going on over there. It's, yeah, it's very similar to a place like... Uh, like Los Angeles, where it's like there's the m- a city. bunch of little, like, you know, villages tied together. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, and we seem to fight back and forth about, oh, Treeport this, Bozier that. Like, oh, that know. doesn't... For for someone with a vision, that they're like that's a river. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the difference between over there and over, and here, over here is. is. But the Home Depot or the you know whatever is this far away here and over there. I'm just gonna. There's a bridge. Yeah. Like and it's not a bridge. Like I'm not trying to cross the Congress Street Bridge at five o'clock, sitting on that yeah. bridge for an, an hour, hour to go half a mile you go you can go back and forth over the over Mm -hmm. yeah that's easy so everything is accessible here in 15 to 20 minutes if somebody says they're on their way and 30 minutes later they're not there they weren't on their way (laughs) and i think the ease of this town has probably always existed and that's probably why it's it's like been to our detriment that's what i'm saying everything is so easy that whenever you present something that might be a little bit of a challenge everybody's mind is blown why would you want to do that why don't you just live easy I, Why put the effort in? Exactly. I, I talked to a business banker friend of mine in New Orleans who's been presented with a downtown Shreveport project. And he was laughing. And it was, it's one of the really large projects that's made the news lately. He goes, I just can't believe they're going to be able to get this done for $5 million. And I, I said, yeah, it might go over budget. It might be 6 or 7 by the time they're done. He goes, it doesn't matter. He said, that's so cheap. Mm-hmm. To, to really get the estimates that they've already gotten and to be able to, to parlay this with the tax credits are doing. And he said, it's a steal. That's pretty much the words he used. He yeah. said, it might be a complicated project, but he said, this is so cheap compared to what it would cost in New Orleans or Baton Rouge. So it's like, but it almost takes an out-of-town. I mean, the guy grew up here. Mm-hmm. He's five hours away. He's in the same state. He's presented with the numbers, the the drawings, the mock-ups, and the this and the that, and he he's running all the tax credits. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, 
it feels like another world compared to where he lives. Yes. Like the fact that it's so five million dollars is a drop in the it's bucket to, to a development in. I mean, even in McKinney or Richardson oh, yeah. or somewhere like that now, five million. That would be in, a small building. Yeah. There. 30, 30 million would be the same cost. At, like that's that's how different the towns are. Any anything in those areas are going to be exponentially more. And they don't blink at it. No, and not they, at all. They know they'll have the the support behind it. And I think yeah. that's one of my one of the things that is so sad to me is that um, what's going to end up happening is all these other pla- like all these other investors from other cities are going to if they're going to find potential here and they're going to come in and blow up our city and all the money again is going to go out of our city because yeah. the the owners of these of these buildings will be from California or New York because they saw potential yeah. and they were like oh we'll just grab this up it's easy peasy lemon squeezy I'll just get this for 5 mil and we'll be out of here we'll just flip it and and we'll yeah. make money out of it that's why I'm so like please report please like invest in your own city stop going other places put your money back here put it in your neighbor's pocket like help us help ourselves well and to that end you actually own a business here in shreveport in downtown shreveport Mm -hmm. what could the city of shreveport do to make operating your business easier than it is open the lake street closure (laughs) (laughs) um we you know the downtown area has a lot of one ways it's really difficult um this is what people from the suburbs are saying, I put open quotations, close quotation marks in there, um, that it's too hard to navigate to come downtown. They're like, oh, I have to... I have to get on the interstate and come downtown. I'm like, it's but, five minutes but, away. But we've had this conversation before. You and I have had this conversation mm-hmm. before. It's like there's a certain group of people who mm-hmm. do not want to come downtown, and, and that's fine. We, we don't have to sell anything to them. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't, they're not going to go downtown. They're... They will once the, it's cool. The, they, yeah. Well, but but there's a lot of stuff at Katie's store that, that they would love to have too. Well, like if they would go. Aware. I know they don't know it's there. Right. They won't get because in the car. it's so hard to navigate. Navigate downtown. A giant car. Oh no! On not a little a, street. Not an SUV in downtown Parallel Park. Well, ah. But but the thing is, there is a group of people who do, who will go downtown, who will look, mm-hmm. and that's sort of the market the for, for what is you know, the the other. The, the other folks that, that don't want to do as much work or, or would prefer a more convenient, like, I can go, I don't care if I have a nice painting or the one that hangs in the mm-hmm. office building, which mm-hmm. is the same one that everyone else has. Mm-hmm. Those are two different uh, two different groups of people. Of people. And, and I think if, if you could get a larger group of the the other that, that are like, no, no, I, I don't care what way the street is. Mm-hmm. I don't even care if it's just a walking street. I can walk mm-hmm. like down there. It's They have to be unafraid. Yeah. But if you, if well, you I can mean, get a couple people, you know. And you, you might not be able to change a town's culture. I've heard uh, a restaurateur talk about that as well. Like you can't change, you can't make people want to have a drink at five o'clock after work near their office. They might want to go home and have a drink. But they're, you know, the, the the happy hour bars in downtown Shreveport don't really exist because there isn't a market for them. Or, I should say, if you have twelve thousand people working downtown, there should at least be three hundred people that want to go have a drink mm-hmm. after work, right before they get in the, I mean, get in the car, have one drink, have a lift, and, ha, yeah, or, lift yeah, now. Uber home. But the um, the point of that is in other in other cities, even little bitty towns like Hammond, where I used to live, oh, yeah. there is like this after work drink culture that mm-hmm. starts on sometimes Tuesday, but usually Wednesday, Thursday. It's reliable, and they know that around 4.45 to 5.30, 5.45, maybe even as late as 6, you know, there's going to be X number of people in there. They're going to have drinks. 
And that's a culture thing that Shreveport, not just in the drinking after work thing, but the, the also the coming downtown to an art market or coming downtown to a farmer's market, maybe that culture doesn't change. So I think we really have to figure out how to get other people who are of that mindset to move here, mm-hmm. which is a whole separate question, but it's it ties into this. But like, what could the city do to facilitate more, not more businesses like yours, but more businesses that, um, that, that have some semblance of symbiosis with the Agora? Like, what could the city do to incentivize or what could the city do to make your business easier to operate, if anything? Mm. Um, I guess education uh, of some sort. Uh, when You made a good point about there are other people outside of our area that might have that cultural um, tie to what we would like to see downtown. And if we were, like, I think the, the Tourist Bureau does a great job of um, facilitating other, like, going to other cities and making them aware. But if our if our actual city government was doing the same thing, uh, to entice people to move here. So like a marketing job. Yeah, like, but again, their job is to create jobs. They need to have jobs here in the first place. People would move here if there were jobs. People leave because there aren't jobs. Okay. And and it can't all be in the service industry. Like, we can't all be working at restaurants, and we can't all own art galleries, and we can't, I mean, everything is around entertainment here and uh, the casinos and things like that. It's like, but we need real we need real jobs. Yeah, the same kind of or it, not the same, but comes like we've always had. Or not real jobs in the sense of like our jobs aren't real, but in the sense of we need middle class jobs that people can go to work and have their nine to five, and like some people enjoy that. They want structure. They want something that they know. Well, is, it pays the bills. Yes, I mean it's, they want to pay their bills. Yeah, every everybody's working for the weekend, right? right? Like every but we do have a strong medical core here, and Thomas and I've talked about this, like. Build on something we already have. The GM, GM's gone. Yeah. AT&T's gone yeah. to, to whatever degree. But, like, what do we have that we could build upon that we could turn into some type of industry to attract more jobs to this area? I, I don't really know. I'm I'm not well-versed. It's a million-dollar question yeah. this area. It, yeah. It seemed, it's, it's vexed more than just uh, a, an injury lawyer on Stoner. <laughs> I think it's vexed all of Shreveport government for probably 25 years. You have to leave in 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. So I want to ask you some some rapid-fire stuff. Number one, give me the – when you remember the professor's name, let me know. I'd love to have him on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's the hardest thing that you've found in running your own business? Um, having a, con- a constant customer base. Um, about 70 75% of our sales are from – people from outside of our city. Oh, wow. They come there. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Every time I look at it, I was like, there's no way. You keep metrics on that? Yeah, I do. Uh, do you advertise to people outside, or is it just like they, they find you? So we are very, very well taken care of through um, the DDA, the uh, Tourist Bureau. Um, anybody that knows about us, they call us the Shreveport Gift Shop. Because it is, I mean, it is. It's like if you want to buy something local from a local artist and you want something original and unique with from our culture, you go to my store and you take something home. People come in my store from other cities and are like, oh, my God, can you ship this this table, this piece of furniture, this, this painting? They always want to take these beautiful, large pieces home with them because it's like, God, this is out of steel. Like if you go to, we had a girl from D.C. this weekend come in and she was like, if I were trying to buy this stool in D.C., this would be $500, and this thing is under 100 bucks. 
and it's it's a steal and that's because we have such a low um a low price point on our goods and services here and so everyone and i that's the thing i'm no don't get me into this uh i'm really about carbon footprint and Mm -hmm. i really don't enjoy i I do ship when i'm asked to it's like almost like a favor that i'm like do i like you enough to ship Mm -hmm. you know um I really like the idea of, I have another idea that we'll maybe can talk about at another time about how to get things to other cities without going through um, shipping. But anyway. Teleport? Yes, that's exactly what I No, it's one of those things where if you were going to travel to New Orleans and I knew you were going to New Orleans, you would get on an app and say, I'm going to New Orleans and I have this much space in my car. And you would get like just like an Uber and a Lyft for products. Um, somebody was like, oh, yeah, Katie, let's just be drug mules. I was like, no, it's for goods and services. It's all legit through an app. Um, but you could bring those things with you and then provide the service because you're already going there. You're not having to. Why don't you start that right here and put it in an opportunity zone and make a business out of that? I already. Yeah, let's do that. We have that on an, another day and time. I, I'm that, it's a good idea, Okay, it's a well. good, especially if you could make a little money doing it. Okay, people out there, I'm trademarking this today, so don't. Yeah, we'll, so we'll have this thing uploaded yeah. by September. Your, your idea's already been stolen. It's I'm already sure. gone. It's I'm already sure. out there. It's not here. All right, so what, what's the easiest thing about running your own business that you found? The easiest thing is creating community. There are so many people who want to see change and so many people who want to see the success of this city that we've created a beautiful core of art, of an art community. They are always... At our events, they are always there to support. But again, a lot of our, a lot of the actual income comes from outside of our city. What's the one thing you wish you knew before you started your own business? Oh, uh, how to run a business? No, just <laughs> um, I learned so much while getting into this. I don't have a business degree. Um, my husband has a business degree, so I leaned a lot upon him to help me facilitate some of the the rhetoric and, and the habits of running a business. Um, I wish I had known more about just regular business, common sense, uh, but that can be learned. And I, I did enjoy learning it through owning a business. Cool. But yeah. What about um, what about marketing? Like what works? What it, how have you marketed your business to get to get sales? I feel like. A lot of times it's grassroots um, in the very beginning, especially like don't pour a whole bunch of money into, you know, social media that is constantly changing to not be helpful. They yeah. it's they're they're out for themselves. They're out yeah. for their own money. They will suck you dry. Google will suck you dry. Facebook will suck you dry. <laughs> yes, they will. So you you really need to do the hard work. Be going to all the events that you possibly can to make sure that you are having those conversations, looking people in the eyes, knowing who those people are. Um, it's a lot of, of saying, hey, come over and check this out and having a good time with one another and being human. I think that's my approach to marketing. And now we do have um, somebody who runs our marketing, Mallory Sanders, and she's doing an amazing job with it. Um, she's really grown, uh, grew our audience through social media but to be honest, like that's not my forte. I'm much more of a people person. Like I want to be seeing people and talking to them and asking them, like, who are you? What do you love? Like, mm-hmm. what what do you enjoy to do? That's much more my it's style. Like an actual social network. Yes, a real one-on-one person-to-person mm-hmm. social network. You know people. Yeah. You've got I, a. You told me earlier. You've got people. 
I do have people. They're my tribe. And once you create um, a camaraderie with someone and they know you to be solid and you are who you are, say you are and you do what you say you're going to do, you'll never lose those those uh, those friends and those those companions because once they know you, they know that they can they can be in your tribe without. You're not gonna flake out on them. Yeah, no flakes. Cornflakes okay. go somewhere else. <laughs> All right. So, um, who's my next podcast guest? Ooh, there's so many people in the world that you could like. Give me, give me three. We're, we we only have one more scheduled right now. So, get, give me three that I can. Reach Liz out Swain to. has a heavy hand in downtown. She's, yeah, she's she runs the place, and she's so uh, good um, when it comes to being on the mic or in front of a camera. Oh, she's, she's excellent. She's wonderful. Um, and then, I'm, ooh, this is a really hard one. Uh, I'm trying to think of fun. I love my neighbors, Jeff and Jason. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is really fun. Uh, Jason is, I love his unique uh, attitude and thoughts on things, his perspectives. Um, but then. That's Jeff Spikes and. Uh, Jason Cram. Yeah. Ooh, Lewis Norton. I really enjoy his his thoughts and perspective, perspectives on things. And his assistant, Emily Fazell, they're, they're amazing. Um, they, you know, Lewis has been here in Shreveport for a long time, and I think he has a really uh, good eye on on what's happening. And and then the ha- uh, Nelly and Havard line. Oh yeah, they, they're awesome. They're, they're wonderful too. I enjoy their company. So those are just some people where off the top of my head that I'm like, oh, they'd be fun to talk to. Good laughs. What um, what are you reading? What are you reading right now? What's your What's your Actually, book of choice? Hold on, I'll call you. Other than your own creative notes and your moleskin. Okay, so right now I'm carrying around Time Dollars. Um, this was given to me by Sean Allen, who was my creative director for the fashion show. And um, he said, you need to read this. I kind of already do these things. It's about um, bartering and and uh, creating trade systems without monetary like uh, funds. And so I've, I'm, I'm cracking the spine on this one. That's that's Time Dollars by Edgar Kahn and Jonathan Rowe. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've um I find that books on things that I'm already doing currently only enhance what I could be doing with it. So I feel that this was a good fit for me at the current moment. So that's what I'm carrying around. All right. If you could send a text message to everybody in Shreveport. Okay. What would it say? Love and light, friends. Keep on keeping on. All right. Love and light, mm-hmm. friends. Keep on keeping on. Yeah. All right, Katie. Thank you so much for being here on the 3180 podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our uh, 13 listeners? <laughs> um, I'm really appreciative of all y'all's hard work, and um, I'm glad that you see the potential in the city that I do, and I'm glad that we have some passionate folks in this town. And you're out of here just in time to make your next meeting. Boom. Good deal. Thank you so much. Thanks.